0: Oh, here we go with another edition of the only digital radio show that is devoted exclusively to those underdogs. Can you tell there is a smile in my voice as we're ready for the third full weekend of college football, the second weekend of the NFL, and we're back with more underdogs. Great to be with you. We've got special guests lined up to come on and handicap some games and give me some underdog predictions. I loved the Army Knights last week. The Black Knights of the Hudson did their thing in Michigan as advertised. Who tried to tell you they would be able to keep it close? Maybe not win the game. Boy, they had chances to win the game. Army would have been a monumental upset against Michigan if they pulled it off. Army hadn't beaten a top-10 team in 60 years but almost pulled it off, almost doesn't count, lost in overtime, still a cover for Three Dog Thursday, so we love uh, that part of what Army was able to do uh, last week. Now, uh, look, I'll be the first one to admit, FAU, Lane Kiffin's team, uh, not good. UCF, very good, so that underdog did not work out. Taylor, Uh, Or uh, Dylan Gabriel, the freshman quarterback, the lefty freshman quarterback for UCF, looked fantastic. Their defense was outstanding. Uh, FAU had no answers on either side of the ball, so that underdog crashed and burned. And my Jaguars prediction in the NFL for the underdog uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs, Look, when Nick Foles goes out in the first quarter of that game, it obviously knocks me down a peg for a chance to have Jacksonville cover. I know defensively the Jaguars not good like I thought they were going to be, but once Foles was out of there, you got to give me a little bit of a pass, don't you, audience, here on the Jacksonville Jaguars? Jaguars, Even though Gardner Minshew, the quarterback, the rookie from Washington State, played well in Foles' absence, not the same. Defense couldn't hold him down. The Chiefs are the Chiefs. Mahomes looked great save for the sprained ankle will that be a factor this week i believe that i'm going to address that on three dog thursday with an nfl prediction so more on that in a little bit uh, we've got special guests that are going to be coming up. In fact, we'll talk with Gary Seeger straight ahead from the Winning Cures Everything podcast. Gary and his co-host Chris Giannini do a great job uh, talking uh, college and NFL football lines and spreads, and they have already come on with me last week. Chris was on with me on Three Dog Thursday. He gave you Texas AM and in college against Clemson. He also had the Buffalo Bills in the NFL with that comeback against the New York Jets, so Uh, Again, the Winning Cures guys do a great job. Winning Cures Everything is their podcast, their YouTube show. Gary Seegers will be here from that show in a little bit also Sal Capaccio will be here Sal Sports from the Buffalo Bills radio broadcast and WGR radio love Sal's work love his insight he will talk about that Bills comeback upset of the New York Jets Uh, Sal is also a Syracuse guy so we got to talk to him about the Qs and the huge line against Clemson and whether that Saturday night game in the Carrier Dome whether or not uh Syracuse can keep it close the Orange can keep it close we will find out uh, coming up what Sal has to say on those. And Sal will give me a couple of other NFL underdogs as well. And then we'll close out the guests. Sean Green back with us from the Sports Gambling Podcast, very popular podcast based out in Southern California. Uh, Sean does a great job with that. He'll have underdog predictions in college and in the NFL, and tell you more about the Sports Gambling Podcast. That's a little bit later on in the program. So we've got the we've got all of that uh, laid out for you, uh, including addressing some of these different big games that are going to be going on this weekend in college football and the NFL. And I would say to you that if you are looking to wager on these different games, you should do it with our friends at mybookie.com. I recommend them highly for these reasons. My bookie, you bet, you win, and they pay. And they pay quickly. You're going to get your money within 24 hours, sometimes a lot less. So, uh, again, great customer satisfaction. If you're gambling on anything from college football to the NFL, even to your fantasy players, you can gamble with my bookie on your fantasy guys with Under Over. You've got in-game live betting for the NFL through my bookie. Anything that you can gamble on, all the way up to the presidential election, you can gamble through MyBookie. And right now, a special offer. They're sponsoring 3Dog Thursday, a special offer that uh, for, your, your bonus, uh, for, your, for your initial bonus, if your initial subscriber... I should say uh, to my bookie, they're going to match whatever you subscribe with a first deposit bonus. So, again, if you put $500 in as an initial uh, down payment here to bet with my bookie on your first deposit, they're going to match it for $500 bucks, all the way up to $1,000. You put $200 in, they'll match $200. You put $1,000 in, they'll match $1,000. For you to gamble with MyBookie, use the promo code 3DOG for this podcast. Use that promo code 3DOG. Visit MyBookie online at M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. Your initial deposit will be matched dollar for dollar up to $1,000 on the first deposit bonus. So you'll double your first deposit, whatever it is, a couple hundred bucks, 500 bucks, 700 bucks, all the way up to a $1,000. Again, use the promo code 3DOG with our friends at MyBookie. With all of that out of the way, let's get to our special guest, Wolf Wolf, the underdogs flying everywhere in college football and the NFL. Who do we like against the spread? Let's find out. Alright, as advertised, I love getting the chance to talk with these guys here in the early part of the season going on their Winning Cures Everything podcast, and now they're popping on with me as part of Three Dog Thursday to get some underdogs rolling. Here is Gary Seegers from Winning Cures Everything, the podcast, the YouTube show, ready to pick some underdogs with me. Good to be with you, my friend. How are things?
1: Things are going well. It's uh, it's a, a busy morning. I've got a lot of my my picking work done for the week. <laughs> uh, I'm going to pay attention to some lines. The early part of the week is always uh, a hassle because I'm trying to get as much information about the games as early as possible, so that you know you can beat the line before everybody else does. Right? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the idea. Playing. So yeah, so it's, it's now that it's getting to be you know whenever we're we're recording this right before Thursday. So You know, this is the slowdown part of the week where I can kind of take the numbers that I've gotten and work them out and just see how they play against the rest of the gambling market.
0: Yeah, no doubt. And, And I often say on this show, I haven't said it as of yet here, that again, the line might go up, it might go down depending on injury, depending on how people are betting. We can only do what we do for Thursday. I, I have no idea if the number is going to switch around. I mean, you look at you look at last weekend with all the Antonio Brown controversy with the Raiders, and that game, the the Raiders went from being a two or three point favorite, Gary, you know this, to by the time we got to Monday night, they were like a point and a half underdog. That game had switched because of all the controversy and them releasing him uh, by about three and a half points, which is kind of rare on a weekend, but it can happen. And if there's an injury uh, where somebody's not sure about, uh, you know, who's playing, somebody gets hurt in practice, that will switch things too. My point is the only thing that we can control is what is the number right now when we're doing Three Dog Thursday. So that's what we're going to go with. That's what we're going to go off of. And we'll have fun with the number, by the way, in the uh, Patriots-Dolphins game. Remind me for that when we talk NFL in a few moments (laughs) and what that number is and and how it's headed to the moon uh, right about now. All right, so college football from last week just as a generic general opening question what are your thoughts what stood out
1: well I will say that Maryland looked ridiculously impressive right there went over Syracuse 63 to 20 was unbelievable uh, I, I didn't see it coming but it does lead me to you know a dog this week it's not one that I'm necessarily going to take unless this number just keeps on going up but you know Syracuse would have been what maybe a 17-point underdog to Clemson, and they get their doors blown off. And I wonder if they didn't just seriously underestimate uh, Maryland. I, I think that was a possibility. But that was, that was a big thing that stood out last week. Uh, the other part was just how boring the Clemson-Texas A&M game was. And it, it partly had something to do with Texas A&M, but it also had to do with Clemson. I mean, they, they just they don't look super efficient on offense right now, now, they've got weapons everywhere. They've got talent. They will be able to out-talent everybody on their, uh, their schedule. But that was super, super boring. LSU looked like the real deal. Uh, yeah. I mean, what Ed Orgeron is doing down there is nothing short of just miraculous, it feels like. I, from what he did at Ole Miss to what he's doing at LSU, it looks like two completely different coaches, and it shocked me.
0: Well, I think the real thing is that Ed Orgeron's gotten better coordinators here, including the new offensive coordinator that's working with Joe Burrow. I mean, this isn't just Coach O and his coaching here that's done it for LSU, but they've they've got a great talent level, and what a game. That's going to be in November with Alabama as well, Gary. I mean, LSU looks like the real deal right now.
1: Yes, he most certainly does, and and I cannot wait for that. But LSU's got some big games before then, right? They've got Florida. They've got... It, they got Auburn coming in and we don't know what Auburn's going to look like because everybody was all on the bandwagon after the Oregon win. And then last week they only beat Tulane by 18. They only scored 24 points at home and everybody is now asking what's wrong with it. Well, the same thing is wrong with it as was wrong with it in the first week. I mean, it, it, they got a <laughs> freshman quarterback and they're still trying to figure things out. Now, do they have talent? Absolutely. But yeah, LSU's got uh, got some games that they're going to have to be able to win before they get to November. Obviously, they got Texas A&M at the end of the season, and I would imagine A&M will be improved uh, by that point because they've got a a very young defense that I think Burrow, if they were to play this weekend, would absolutely eat them alive. Um, but yeah, this it was a fun college football weekend. It's it has been very strange to figure out from a betting perspective. Because none of the the preseason projections that that normally are fairly accurate have come to fruition yet, so we're, people are having to rebuild models and, and try to figure out you know where did we go wrong, what happened, and you know Maryland is one of the the biggest indicators of that. It's it's a very strange year so far. We're only two weeks in, and I, I cannot wait.
0: All right, moving on in college, uh, we saw USC with a huge win. Uh, at home over Stanford with the freshman quarterback, the true freshman quarterback, Slovis, replacing uh, their starting quarterback who was hurt in their opening game. Uh, So we've already seen USC get a win. I kind of like BYU. I'm going to talk more about that specifically here in a second. But, Gary, coming off the second true weekend of college football, do you have an underdog that you like right away?
1: Well, you brought up a freshman quarterback, so we'll, we'll stick to that theme. Arizona State... Right now, so when it first opened, they were a 13-and-a-half-point underdog at Michigan State. That line has gone up to 14-and-a-half. They do have a true freshman quarterback, Jaden McDaniel. He has been fantastic. Uh, and, they look, their offense, not super efficient. They haven't really played anybody yet. But Arizona State last year lost five games in the regular season. They lost four of them by seven points. They lost one of them by two points. And now you're telling me that they are a a two-touchdown underdog at Michigan State who had trouble scoring on Tulsa in Week 1? Now, everybody thinks that Michigan State got the offense fixed last week when they played against Western Michigan. But Western Michigan is consistently in the 100s in FBS as far as defensive efficiency. Arizona State is number seven. Last year, they were in the top 15. So this is a different kind of beast that Herm Edwards has. I look for Herm Edwards to keep this game fairly close. And look, Mark Antonio and Herm Edwards both are ball control coaches. They don't like to take risks. They don't want to make mistakes. And I think both of them will play this close to the vest. I look for this to be about a, a touchdown game at the most 10 points. More likely a field goal or a touchdown is going to decide it. So 13.5 or 14.5 is way too many points here.
0: Very good. Okay, so I mentioned I like BYU in this spot at home, back home in Provo, off the upset of Tennessee, uh, the overtime win where they came from behind in Knoxville. Uh, We've talked about that on your show, and now uh, BYU hosting USC, the freshman quarterback, the loud environment, Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Uh, uh, Gary, I I like BYU here uh, in this spot.
1: I do think that that's a, a smart play. BYU has much more of a pass rush than Stanford does. Stanford cannot get pressure on the quarterback whatsoever. Stanford had a weak secondary. I think BYU's is significantly stronger. Uh, BYU looking to come back home, maybe, maybe get a little redemption after losing the first game at home to Utah on uh, the opening Thursday night of the season. I, I do like BYU here. They are 0-4 at home in their last four against the spread as an underdog. So I'm a little wary of that one, but I think that's more situational statistics than anything else. Uh, So, yes, I I do like BYU here.
0: Gary Seegers, Winning Cures Everything podcast with me on Three Dog Thursday. He and Chris Giannini, his partner, do a great job. You can find them at Winning Cures on Twitter, the podcast available wherever podcasts are found. YouTube show as well, Winning Cures Everything, winningcureseverything.com. Gary, do you have another college underdog that you like for this week, sir?
1: i got one. Uh, th- th- this is a smaller team. The Miami, Ohio Redhawks going to Cincinnati. They are 17-point underdogs. They are 4-0 and against the spread in their last four against Cincy. They're 6-1 and against the spread in their last seven as an underdog. This team came on strong late last year. They have looked good so far this season. I don't expect them to beat Cincinnati, especially not at Nippert Stadium. But 100%, I'm all in on Miami, Ohio. Uh, Last 10 times that Cincinnati has been a double-digit favorite at home, they've only covered two of them.
2: So
1: this is a rivalry game that means a lot more to Miami of Ohio than it does to Cincinnati. I still think Cincinnati gets the win, but 17 points is way too many here. Give me the Red Hawks and all those points.
0: All right, I'm going to go to one with a Big 12 team. College game day is going to be there with Reese Davis, Kirk Herbstreit, Desmond Howard, Lee Corso. It's Iowa State and Iowa in Ames. Iowa State off the bye week. I know Iowa, Gary, has won four straight in the series. Uh, This is a rivalry game, a, a hated rivalry game. Iowa State was preseason top 25. They they struggled in their opener against Northern Iowa to win in triple overtime. They've now had a bye week. They've dropped out of the top twenty five, but they've got eight starters back on defense. Rivalry game. Do you want to talk me out of Iowa State getting the two points at home as a home dog against the rival Iowa?
1: I, I will absolutely talk you out of that. Iowa State <laughs> in their last ten, uh coming off of a bye week, they are two and eight straight up. Mm-hmm. And it's it's ridiculous. And this is such a short line that a field goal is going to cover for you either way. Right. So, uh, also Iowa state didn't look good in week one that bye week, I think came at a bad time because when you have such a poor performance, you want to come out and get your bearings about you, right? You want to come out and play somebody to make sure that you are settled for this. Right. Game. right. Like you said, Iowa Iowa is on a winning streak in this series. They've won their last three in aims. They've won five out of the last six in this series Iowa as a road favorite, which they are right now, 16-3-1 against the spread in their last 20. I, I like Kurt Ferentz in this spot. I think that I think he and Matt Campbell are equally good coaches, and I think that Ferentz has more talent on his roster right now. And I, Iowa has a way of making other teams play their style, and I think just like last season, they forced Iowa State to play their way, led to a 13-3 to game. I think it's it maybe not as low-scoring this year, but I, I do like Iowa in this spot. It's not an underdog, but I, I like the Hawkeyes.
0: Gary Seegers, Winning Cures Everything podcast with me for a few more moments on the Three Dog Thursday podcast. All right, let's turn to the NFL. Uh, one week in the books, do you have an overall thought coming off the opening weekend and, and perhaps an underdog coming off the opening weekend that you like right away for Three Dog Thursday purposes?
1: Uh, NFL Week 1 is always kind of difficult. The the Bengals looked a lot better than I thought they would. Uh, Seattle at home, usually really, really good. Uh, but I wonder how much of that is Brian Schottenheimer's offensive play calling and whether it limits what the Seahawks are able to do against opponents. Um, the Steelers obviously look like complete garbage. They are coming home, playing the Seahawks this week. It, it, there's, there's a lot to figure out this week. Uh, the Saints gave up a lot of big plays against the Texans. You know, it. They didn't look great, but I wonder if that wasn't a look-ahead spot for who they truly want to beat, which is this weekend. Uh, now I'm going to give this one out, and I feel like a, a lot of people are on this one. I don't care if I'm going with the public or not. I am siding with the Saints this week at plus three at the Rams. Uh, Rams came across uh, across the globe and played the Panthers last week. Looked good. Got a three-point win and and did what they were supposed to do, but I, even with a short week, this revenge factor is so strong. These Saints are fired up for this game. I am all in on the Saints to, to not only cover, but to win this weekend.
0: Gary, I really like the Oakland Raiders this week at home off their Monday night win over the rival Broncos. I know Denver's not very good, but The Raiders at home with the Chiefs getting eight points, the storied rivalry going all the way back to the AFL days. This is the last time, allegedly, that they would play uh, in Oakland, barring a playoff game in Oakland, the Chiefs and the Raiders. Gruden, Derek Carr, I know they lost John Abram to the injury, the shoulder injury, the rookie first round uh, free safety uh, is out for the year with a shoulder injury after the Monday night game, but... I like the Raiders here in this spot against the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll see what happens uh, for that late game on Sunday. Do you have another underdog for me?
1: Well, I, I will. I will go on and tell you this. I, this is a, a brief one here before I get to a real one. All right. Dolphins plus nineteen and a half. I know that we were we going to discuss it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, let's let, discuss low a low line that open, open.
0: Let's just a line that opens Sunday at fourteen and a half and is, is now a nineteen and a half because everybody and their their grandma is betting New England. It's incredible. This this thing could this thing thing be twenty one points by the time we get to Sunday? Oh, uh, good 100%. gracious! It, it,
1: it'll be at least 21, if not more, by Sunday. Incredible. But I, I, I believe, it, because New England has just been awful when they travel to South Beach, especially in September. And on top of that, no, this Dolphins team is not good. But they do still have professional football players, although there's not a ton of them on that roster. <laughs> um, but I do like the Dolphins to bounce back a little bit here. The difference in playing the Ravens and playing the Patriots is the Patriots understand that this game is it doesn't matter if you win by three touchdowns or if you win by a field goal it doesn't matter a win is a win especially in the the early stages of the regular season they're not worried about the regular season they are more worried about getting wins at home and making sure they have enough wins to get a home field advantage in the playoffs and that's and honestly at this point in Tom Brady's career i don't think he cares about that at all the the ravens needed to go out and prove a point that a, a point that was a confidence builder for Lamar Jackson, for Hollywood Brown, for the rest of the guys on that offense, they were working on chemistry. They were trying out new things. They needed to build some momentum. And you're going to get a completely different look. Remember, Belichick loves to go out and kind of take it easy on his former guys, right? You saw the same thing with Matt Patricia last year when the Patriots went to Detroit and got beat by two touchdowns. You know, I'm not saying that that the Dolphins are going to win the game, but... 19.5 19.5 is just a ridiculous amount of points. I could 100% see a 34-17 kind of game where it's, it's close, but the Dolphins get the cover there. I, I like the Dolphins in this spot. Mm. This is another one that I feel like a lot of people might be on, the Vikings plus three at the Packers. Mm. I'm not sold on that Packers defense. I know everybody was praising Mike Pettin to the high heavens on Thursday night against the Bears. I think that had more to do with the Bears than it did with the Packers. The Bears ran it 15 times. Yes, the Packers absolutely stacked the box, didn't allow the Bears to run. But you cannot put Mitchell Trubisky back there and let him throw for 40 times a game. That is, that's not a successful way to win. Uh, that's they didn't set him up to be successful in that ball game, and it showed. Obviously, Packers gave up only three points on the road. But I don't think that was as much the Packers as it was the Bears. I think they just had a, a poor game plan. I think the Vikings are a legit Super Bowl threat this year. With Gary Kubiak coming in and helping out that offense, with Kevin Stefanski and all that, I, I love this offense. I think Dalvin Cook being healthy will be able to run on that, uh, that Packers defense. I think the Vikings get the upset. Their defense is absolutely legit. Remember, the Bears did shut down Aaron Rodgers and that Packers offense last week. I think the Vikings can do the same thing here, even at Lambeau. Give me the Vikings plus the three, and I'm going to put some uh, some money line action on that one.
0: All right. We'll see how that one goes as well with the uh, with the Vikings and the Green Bay Packers. Uh, NFC North showdown there. Minnesota obviously looked very good in week one. These guys do a great job. They look very good every week. Winning Cures Everything podcast. Gary Seegers uh, and his co-host Chris Giannini, they've graciously put me on their podcast uh, here at the beginning of the year as well. We're doing a little cross-promotion plug away, my friend, on where we find you and where we hear you and see you.
1: Well, you can you can always find us at winningcureseverything.com. dot com. We are on YouTube, youtube dot com slash winningcureseverything. Uh, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're we're everywhere, right? And we do picks every week. We give you know an average of about seven games each per week in college. We do five games a week or six in the NFL. Some are dogs, some are favorites. We just look at the lines. We we bet the market. We see exactly what matchups we like, and we explain it to you in the best way that we can do it. We keep track of everything over at winningcureseverything.com. You can go there and click on the gambling picks site. We haven't done well so far this year, but if you go back, uh, we do have our last three seasons' worth of football picks up. We have uh, have done pretty well over the years. So I I feel like we're going to get this one bouncing back. I do feel better about this week's games than I did last week so make sure you check us out myself and christianini over at com or on apple Podcasts, whatever your favorite podcast app is
0: gary i love it thanks for hopping on the three dog thursday podcast great stuff sir we'll talk to you again down the road good luck with your underdogs
1: well we do appreciate you for having us we have really enjoyed it we're looking forward to a nice successful winning season uh we can't wait to do it again next week thank you for uh, for letting us come in
0: and Three Dog Thursday brought to you in part by FanVestWageringExchange.com. It is the stock market of sports. The pro football portfolio game is up and running. Weekly prizes in the weekly contest and a season long prize. Play these teams like the stock market, and how well they do, how well they, how the much they win, my, how much they win. It's going to increase the value of your stock and of your investment. Again, go to FanvestWageringExchange.com. Find them on social media at FanvestWageringExchange on Facebook, on Twitter, FanvestWX on uh, Twitter, on FanvestWageringExchange on Instagram. Again, it's the stock market of sports. Trade those teams, whether you like the Patriots or the Saints or the Rams or the Steelers or the Cowboys. Uh, Check out their value of stocks. Trade them like stocks. Again, it's free to play. Weekly contests with cash prizes. Season-long contests with cash prizes. It's FanVestWageringExchange.com.
1: The dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is T.J. Reeves.
0: Tremendous performance in the second half, fourth quarter, especially last week for those Buffalo Bills as they came from behind on week one to upset their AFC East rival, the New York Jets, from a 16-point deficit on the road at MetLife Stadium at the Meadowlands. And who better to help me figure out what happened with that, talk a little Bills, talk some underdogs. He is a sideline brother from another mother for me uh, because I do the Bucks sideline stuff. He does the Bills sideline stuff. He is Sal Capaccio. Sal Sports back on 3-Dog Thursday. My friend, congrats. On the win, I I always joke with everybody because people often think about us when we're down there, especially if you're going to go do the post-game interviews. Oh, my gosh, what is he going to go in there and ask? What is he going to go in there and do? It did not look good for a while uh, on Sunday. But then your whole post-game show and the whole week, everything changed and brightened up. Welcome to the NFL. I love it.
3: Yeah, you know, uh, the Bills really just uh, stayed with their game plan. And really what happened was C.J. Mosley completely changed the Jets. He got hurt. He went out at the end of the third quarter, second to last play of the third quarter. He was having a monster game. He gets hurt. He goes out. The Bills start attacking the teeth of the Ravens' defense. They can't. They start getting chunks running the ball with Devin Singletary. The Jets have to start committing more guys to the run. And Josh Allen started picking them apart in the passing game and got some big plays there, and the Bills ultimately wound up winning the game. And it was a, a tidal wave of how it changed from one to the other. I really like the way the Bills played. They pretty much dominated the whole game, but they had four turnovers the first half. You can't do that. That's what hurt them in the first half. Allen actually played pretty well. Uh, the critical mistakes he made, though, but you're right. Everything changed, and I think that was a really, really, really important and big game for both teams who really want to be in the wild card mix at the end, and now the Bills have a leg up on the Jets.
0: All right, you left me a lot of meat on the bone there, Sal. So I'm going to pick right up on the turnovers point because you mentioned four turnovers by the Bills. I worked the Bucks uh, and the and the 49ers, as you know, and there were turnovers galore in that game. You watched the Bears in the opener and how bad they looked. Uh, On offense, you look at the Eagles and the start to their game with the Redskins and how shaky they were. How much do you buy in that these guys not playing very much, if at all, in the preseason contributes to sloppy play in Game 1, particularly at the beginning of Game 1 across the NFL?
3: Yeah, I agree with you. And look, I mean, in the case of the Jets here, the the team the Bills played, they had a guy in Le'Veon Bell who hadn't played since, since over 600 days, TJ. I mean, yeah, he was, the last game he played was in the playoffs in 2018 against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And then, on top of that, they had a center who came out of retirement uh, just about, you know, what, a month or so before the season, uh, right when training camp started, I think it was, Ryan Khalil. They did not have really any time in, to mesh together, and they have a new offense with Adam Gase, a new, obviously he's you know calling the plays, a new head coach. In the Bills case, they also had a new center in Mitch Morse, who was in concussion protocol pretty much all of training camp and preseason, never stepped to Josh Allen one time. So you had a lot of different moving parts here that you had to get acclimated. You're right about that. And I think that was why the Bills catching the Jets when they did at the right time before the Jets might be able to start to get into their offense and do some things and know how to do the And then on top of that, you look around the league. I've been saying all week, and I said last week, DJ, week one should never be a crowning nor an indictment on any player or team. If you go back and look at last year's week one scores, and then you say, okay, here's what happened. How did that team turn out? You'll see a vast difference in a lot of the ways that things went.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, the year the Bucks won the Super Bowl under Gruden, Uh, They lost the first game. They went on to win 12 games that regular season and win the playoff games. The Patriots, every year, they might lose a game early, but they're always going to win 10, 11, 12 games. Tell me what you're doing in October. I care more about that. All right, You gave me another uh, avenue to travel. Josh Allen, the second-year quarterback, the former top-10 pick of the Bills, uh, give me give me some insight you've watched him now in the second offseason in the preseason what do you see out of this guy uh, that leads you to believe that he will develop even more this year what did you see starting last Sunday
3: here's the thing I love about the way they've treated Josh Allen this offseason TJ they haven't baby him you know how sometimes you have a young quarterback and you're like we're gonna insulate him we're gonna make sure he, you know he can do this and that we're not gonna you know let him make mistakes the Bills have basically said, nope, he's our franchise quarterback. We took him seventh overall. We traded up, and there's a reason for that. And ever since last season ended, from day one of this offseason, I saw it. the minute they went out there for offseason workouts, OTAs, minicamp, all of that, they've given him ownership of this offense. He basically controls the show. Even offensive coordinator Brian Dable has said that. He says Josh has all the freedom he needs to get in and out of any play he wants, protection he wants. But with that freedom comes responsibility and accountability And there's no doubt you have to have that. And he made a couple of critical mistakes, and they hurt them. But you're going to live with that. The question is, can you live with those things as you watch him grow? And, look, I mean, Brett Favre was a a very similar player where throughout his whole career, basically, he made really critical mistakes because he tried to play hero ball. Josh is a guy who sometimes wants to play hero ball. He has far more talent than so many other players at the position that could do more things than so many other people that you could have back there, and that's what they're banking on. They didn't bring him in to be Drew Brees and have a 70% completion percentage. They brought him in to make the kinds of plays that other people simply cannot make, and yes, both with his arm and his legs. I love the way he played. His completion percentage was about 65%. That's great for him, what you want him to be about, and he made the big plays when the chips were down. That's the thing about him. He's a gamer. I love the progress, but more than anything, TJ, I love that they are not babying him and they're letting him run this offense
0: voice of sal capaccio sal sports on twitter great job on the bills radio broadcast and also uh you hear him on wgr radio the legendary station in western new york giving me some great insight here on three dog thursday on the bills the afc east nfl in general i'll get some underdog picks from him in a couple of moments hey rare scheduling quirk uh, from the nfl where the bills play opening week at the meadowlands against the jets and now come right back to the same location and play the NFC Giants in the same stadium as the road team again. Two weeks in a row you travel to the NYC. Are we not going to stay in the same hotel Uh, because you won, especially last week, stay and eat the same food, do all the same things again and go get a victory in the same stadium, albeit against the Giants?
3: I think so as far as the food. uh, I do know the hotel is the same, yes, which is really cool because we even thought about, like, is there anything we need to leave here or stuff like that. pretty (laughs) funny, and... For me, you know, I've been to, obviously, that stadium every year because the Jets play in the division. The first time I'll be there as a sideline reporter taking on the Giants, so I'm going to be super interested to see how everything goes from green to blue because that's what they do. And a little bit uh, peek behind the curtain for people who don't know this, even up in the press box during the Jets games, everything is green.
0: Yeah, no doubt, and I was there last November for the game against the Giants. I've been in there against the Jets. It is wild how they switch everything around to blue for the Giants game. Uh, And and Look, the Giants have won the Super Bowls, the Jets have not, so it'll be a little bit different environment against the big blue crowd uh, that will be in there. Hey, uh, one more thing you mentioned very early on in this conversation is the rookie running back Devin Singletary out of FAU. You know I'm in Florida. You spent some time in Florida. Singletary out of Lane Kiffin's program. The the Bills part with the veteran LaShawn McCoy in part because they see the future with Singletary. How good has this guy looked? I know it's only one game for the regular season, but you've seen him through training camp in the preseason. How good can Singletary be, not just here in the short term, but long term for the Bills?
3: I really like this kid a lot. Um, He brings so much to the table as far as running the football. The only question was could he catch the ball out of the backfield because he only had very limited catches at FAU and I got to tell you this what the hell was Lane Kiffin thinking not throwing him the football man because this kid can catch and when he's, when, when he's in space I, he's just so good I mean he reminds me everybody when he was drafted TJ everybody said oh he's just like Sean McCoy and he is and the fact that he can make people fit missing miss in a phone booth but really who he reminds me of is Le'Veon Bell he's incredibly patient when he hits the hole right. he waits for it to develop and open up and I love it think about this he had 66 touchdowns on the ground in 3 years at FAU. Yep. Yep. That's unbelievable. He had 30 Bills, he had
0: 32 or 33 of them in one year to lead all of FBS, all of Division 1 football everywhere running the ball. So yes.
3: Well, when Brandon Bean, our GM here in Buffalo, spoke about him after the draft, he said he was the most fun player he watched on film, and if you watch him, you see why. It is absolutely right. He just makes people miss. His vision is incredible. You know, I think the one concern I had was not catching the ball, but blitz pickup. You know, can he do that? Right. Well, here's a little clue for you. The Bills opened up this last game with
2: 18
3: straight passes. That's what they They called, 18 (laughs) straight passes to open up the game. Devin Singletary was on the field for every snap.
0: Love the insight from Sal Capaccio with me for a few more minutes. Sal Sports in Buffalo. He's not just on the Bills broadcast. He's a Syracuse alum, and you know where I'm headed for underdog purposes, college football, primetime game. We've already touched on it, Syracuse and Clemson. Uh, a cruise ship full of points for your Syracuse Orange back at home off the blowout loss to Maryland. All right, to you, Sal, uh, Clemson, the number one team in the country, what kind of chance in the Carrier Dome do you give the alma mater here to hang in? I don't think anybody really believes they can win. We'll see. They they scared Clemson a year ago. What do you think about uh, 27, 28 points here and the Syracuse Orange?
3: Uh, I would not be willing to bet on Syracuse after <laughs> giving up 63 points to Maryland. But the thing that I think is in their favor here is they have shown an ability to play with Clemson, even beating them two years ago at the dome. And then last year they went down to South Carolina and, and had them dead to rights. So by all accounts, they should have to beat them. Yes, Clemson yes. Converted, a, converted a fourth down late in the game and it wound up. They wound up scoring a touchdown on that drive and it wound up. They wound up winning, but. Look, I mean, I have no idea who who made the decision to make this the homecoming game at Syracuse University, but it is, so you know. Uh, but that's going to happen, and it is the, obviously, in the Dome home game. It will be a raucous crowd. It will be fired up. And I do think that maybe Dino's in, uh, in uh, Dabo's head or maybe Syracuse in Clemson's head after the last couple of years, the way things went. So um, probably it, maybe a little closer than people think, but I, you never know at the end of the game, a couple of late scores or something. I can't see. I I could not, in good conscience, bet on Syracuse covering that spread that they just lost by 43 at Maryland.
0: All right. So he's not going to go with the orange. I I won't belabor you anymore on backing the alma mater. Let's go to the NFL, where we saw some very interesting lines in week one and some of the underdogs uh, being able to cover. Do you have a pro doggy? Maybe you have more than one that stands out this week as you look at all of the underdogs across week two of the NFL, Sal.
3: I do, and I want to tell you, I called the Titans last week. I said they'd win on the field at the Browns, so I'm happy about that.
0: I,
1: did,
3: I thought I really, I did not think the Browns would be a team that would, especially out of the gate early, come out because of a lot of the reasons you mentioned earlier. And I just think you know those personalities, you know, they got to be on the same page, or things could spiral, and they did spiral. And I, I like for the opposite reason, Tennessee. I actually think Tennessee has a better roster than people think, and they can win some close games, although they they blow them out. But this week. I did not love the way Green Bay looked on offense. They wound up winning the game. But I really like what Minnesota looked like on defense, and I think Minnesota can really kind of shut down Green Bay's offense. I think Minnesota's getting points in that one as well, correct?
0: Yes, they are, and Dalvin Cook looked fantastic. That defense looked fantastic. They always seem to give uh, Rodgers trouble pressuring him. Uh, we'll see if that is the case there with the Vikings. Did you have one more, South sports that you like for an NFL underdog?
3: Yeah, no problem. I think there was one more here. I'm trying to look right now. Um, oh, I, you know what? I like Seattle on the road getting four at Pittsburgh.
0: Um, they're always great on the road, aren't they? They're always great. Yeah, they, yeah they
3: are. They, they, that's right. They seem like they and look, I mean, were you? was anybody really impressed? I know they played New England. I get it, but boy, Pittsburgh just did not look really, really talented on the field. They, they like they, they have spots on their roster where they're pretty deficient and no, I think Seattle's a good roster. I think they're very good defense. And, you know, Ben, at this stage of his career, he's been known to give away some football. So that's a lot of, that's a big number, I think, to give Seattle on the road at Pittsburgh.
0: we got to get out of here. And I know you got to get out of here, too, because you're going to work uh, as well for the Bills and their press conferences and that stuff. Where can the folks find you on social media and on the air, sir?
3: It's great, uh you know what? I just love my life. I love the fact that I get to do this for a living, cover the NFL be on an NFL sideline. It's really cool, you know, I do some TV work up here I'm on the local cBS pregame show before games we lead it into the national show um you know, so there's a lot of cool things that I get to do, and you know, come on, man, there's anything better in life than to be able to do what you kind of love every day. It's not a job I'm pulling in, as I'm talking I'm literally pulling into the stadium right now, and I think of myself every day like I get to come out here. And I get to, you know, do this for a living.
1: And so we're 550
3: and dot uh, radio.com app is where we are. We're dot com, And, you know, big, uh, obviously, intercom radio is really big across the country. There's lots of different platforms for us. But I just am lucky to be able to do this for a living. I get to meet people like you.
0: Oh, you are too kind. There he is, Sal Sports on Twitter. Sal Capaccio, WGR Radio in Buffalo, covering the Bills radio broadcast. He's on the game day broadcast. My compatriot on the sidelines. Have a good call this weekend against the Giants. Thanks for hanging out again. I always love talking to the unelected mayor of Buffalo, Sal Capaccio. Thank you, Sal. All
3: right, thank you, TJ.
0: We do roll on coming down the home stretch here as part of Three Dog Thursday, and it's good to welcome back in from the very popular sports gambling podcast. Here is Sean Green coming back this way with more underdog predictions and selections. Good to have you, and we're about ready to crank things up for another weekend of college and the second weekend of the NFL, sir.
2: I know. It's uh, it's so exciting that we have real football in the NFL. College is getting interesting. I mean, uh, yeah, it was a good week for the dogs overall. I, I felt like I had to redeem myself from the last time I was on the podcast. <laughs> Those dogs I gave out had rabies. So yeah. I want to so, apologize. So,
0: so you got something in common with the host because it's been a little bit of a struggle. I did have Army <laughs> last week, but I was one for three last week. So we're trying to improve a little bit. Uh, on this week Uh, before we get into a couple of actual picks I'll just ask you a couple of generic you know what I'll I'll phrase it this way what stood out to you out of the college football weekend maybe it was a team maybe it was a game did something catch you last week and make you go okay that's significant if so what was it
2: well I mean uh, you know while we're talking dogs I was all over uh, the Texas Longhorns and uh, I I gotta say I mean When I was in, I was actually in Vegas this past weekend. So if my voice goes out at any point, that's what it was from. (laughs) And uh, I I was really impressed with the, the way LSU traveled. I mean, I've been uh, skeptical of Edo at times as a coach, but I mean, that program came in, in a hostile environment, historically in college football. I love vetting home dogs at night. And I mean, Texas had their shots. They were down there twice on fourth and goal. And, uh, you know, when that guy dropped that pass that he Mm. just had in his hand, I knew it was, uh, it was not going to be a great day. I had a little action at plus seven. So I snuck out of there with a backdoor push, but I, I I mean, I thought going into the game, they were, they were going to be a live dog and the money line would be a a real play. But, uh, I impressive with the LSU team that they brought, uh, and and Maryland's the other thing. I mean, uh, is Maryland one of the top five teams in the in the country right now? It's insane the numbers they're putting up right now.
0: Yeah, they put up a bunch of points. And, of course, LSU with Joe Burrow at quarterback, uh, who has just improved greatly even off of last year. So let's see if it continues for them because they they have, obviously, every year. They have NFL talent, obviously, on defense and at the skill positions. There is never a shortage of talent. Or Orgeron and Miles, Les Miles, uh, the Mad Hatter, ha- have always seemed to be able to, I guess, underachieve with that talent, Sean. So now, yeah. now yeah. let's see if they can live up to it with Burrow at quarterback. Um, that was certainly a big win for them last week. All right, so that leads us into an underdog selection. And I have the sneaking suspicion uh, you kind of tipped me off that uh, you you have a a huge huge bow wow on three dog Thursday. Who is it and why?
2: Well, let's let's kick things off. Uh, as a gambler, you find value in the marketplace, and this is important for the uh, you know the dog listeners out there. You find. You find value by taking the ugliest dogs. You know, the same thing when you go to the kennel. The ugly dog, he's the one that's going to be loyal. He's going to treat you great. You don't need those purebreds. You need to find the ugly dog. What is, what's an uglier dog than Syracuse right now? Coming off a, I, I just talked about Maryland. They yep. destroyed the Syracuse team, but now Syracuse comes home, right? Where they played very well uh, over the past couple of years. If you're a Syracuse fan, I'm sure you're saying this team is horrible. They're horrific. What are you doing? I'll tell you what I'm doing. I'm taking 28 points in a home dog. <laughs> I, I just don't think the Syracuse team is that bad. Um, they they really just they got blown out of the water. They gave up. Um, but a lot of times, uh, this is like a good time to be on the dog, right? Well, but look, I mean, I'll help
0: your cause. We talked about this earlier uh, with Sal Capaccio, Sal Sports, who's there in Buffalo. He's a Syracuse grad. They almost upset Clemson a year ago in Death Valley. They did beat them two years ago. I know each year is different in college. It's not the NFL where you keep the same players for year after year after year a lot of times. But there's something to be said for that maybe they know how to hang in with the Clemson Tigers, Sean.
2: Yeah, and, and they have a history. Uh, I just think these guys, they got embarrassed. And, you know, these are young kids, but they still got some pride. The, Syracuse isn't some crazy small school like these are heavily recruited you know three four star athletes a couple five star in there uh and Syracuse they've they've done well as a dog 10 and five ATS in their last 15 games in the underdog role I, I think they're gonna rally a little bit and uh Clemson you know two and oh they've looked good but not not amazing I mean one and one ATS uh you know I, which listen you look at it and it's like are they are they having a down year I guess uh, you know for how high the expectations are they should take care of uh syracuse but I, I think syracuse in that carrier dome strange things can happen they should be in this game
0: all right so you'll take the 28 points with the cues again national tv abc showing it all over the country in prime time on saturday evening <clears throat> um all right so there's the college football one Let's slide over to the NFL. What stands out from the weekend slate? This could be Sunday. This could be the Monday nighter. Cleveland and the Jets. Uh, if you like that one better, what what stands out for you here?
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna look to the Jacksonville Jaguars, and uh, they're squaring off against Houston uh, Texans. Coming off a short week, Jaguars getting nine points, and again, this is this just seems like a bit of an overreaction. We saw Gardner Minshew come in. He seemed very competent running that offense. Um, You know, he set a record for completion percentage, 88%, uh, you know, throwing the rock around. They seemed like they were able to move the ball. And, yeah, they got – their defense struggled with the Kansas City Chiefs, much like uh, a lot of teams in the NFL. And Houston, that was a physical game. And I I know – I know Deshaun Watson was just playing, you know, just going lights out. He looked like he got banged up. You saw him rubbing his back. Oh, during yeah. The game. He's a little nicked up. And, again, there's always just value in teams that underperform expectations by a, a large margin against the spread and then are getting a big number the following week. And And I – I see Jacksonville as one of these situations. I, I just don't think Jacksonville is that bad. Nine points is a ton in a, a divisional game. I mean, you saw what happened in the uh, in the Eagles-Redskins, right? Redskins jumped out to a lead. Eagles came all the way back. They were covering the number there until the final play of the game. Uh, so I, I think you could see a similar situation uh, going here for uh, Jacksonville. And Gardner Minshew, uh, you know, most guys aren't playing in the preseason. He actually led all quarterbacks in preseason snaps so this guy he's not coming in as cold as you might think uh, Texans are on a short week of rest uh, you know Bill O'Brien just randomly cutting uh, cornerback. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you saw that but yes. that was a, seemed like a bit of an overreaction and uh, you know I'm not super high on this Jags team but Uh, Nine points in a divisional game, I think it's a good spot for them. Well, and they
0: know each other, to your point about divisional game, and Minshew, again, was very accurate. You just wonder how much of that, though, was him taking over during a game, and now the Texans have a chance to scout him a little bit. But, again, it's a short week for them. I, I buy into this. I see it. I had Jacksonville last week with Kansas City, as we've already joked, Sean Green, on the podcast before you came on. The problem was not Minshew and, and the offensive guys or Nick Foles getting injured. It's that the, the the defense got smoked by Kansas City last week. So you just wonder, is Deshaun Watson about to do the same thing uh, coming up to them in this game in Houston? But it is nine points for the Jaguars. Now, there's nine points and then there's 19 and a half points, which is what <laughs> New England is laying in Miami. Uh, okay, so uh, the, the Dolphins clearly, clearly <laughs> are devoid of veteran talent and leadership. Got blown out in week one, as embarrassing as it gets. What do you make of this nineteen and a half point line? We should point out; I think it's the first time on the podcast here. Miami has won six of the last seven meetings in South Florida. What do you make of it, Sean Green? Are you even going to touch the Fins (laughs) on Three Dog Thursday with nineteen and a half points at the moment?
2: I I I just went off and mentioned uh, you know the the ugliest dogs bark the loudest. They're they're the best dogs. This is insane. This is insane. And if you look at the numbers. New England, amazing franchise, and they they've been in this this position a number of times. And the fact that there's even historical data uh, to (laughs) point it out: five times New England has been favored uh, more than 18 points in the National Football League. That's insane. And all five times they won the the game straight up, and all five times they didn't cover. Uh, I could just and they've always struggled playing in Miami. It's, it's really going to be a tough game to pick, but you just got to close your eyes and uh, check that box for the Miami Dolphins catching this gigantic number. Now, maybe, maybe you look to play the Patriots in the first half, But nineteen and a half points. This could even get up to twenty-one by the time this game kicks.
0: It opened. It opened Sunday night at fourteen and a half, and it was up to like eighteen in a matter of like an hour on Sunday night. Is one was one thing I saw, (laughs) and now it's nineteen and a half. And you're right, it might be twenty or twenty-one by Sunday because everybody's betting New England, Sean.
2: Yeah, and and that's why. Listen, you're going to make money long-term betting against the public. And everyone on the public saw what the Patriots did Sunday night uh, at home against the Steelers, and now they're forgetting. September is the uh, it's super hot there in Miami. Uh, what do the what do the Patriots really need to prove? They're probably just going to focus on maybe getting Antonio Brown uh, figured out. they uh, the Antonio Brown that the all those accusations that's a huge distraction for this right. team. Do I think they're going to lose? Uh, I wouldn't be putting getting down on the money line, but uh, 21 points is a huge number to cover in the NFL.
0: No doubt. Uh, they did, uh, as you mentioned, they did have a 20-point line in the 07 season uh, when they played Baltimore the unbeaten year when they were beating the crap out of everybody, but Baltimore hung with them, like to your point. Uh, Baltimore only lost by three, 27-24 in that game when they had a 20-point spread uh, in that one. Now it may very well be that on the weekend for the poor, pitiful Dolphins. And one more point on this is obviously Brian <laughs> Flores is a former Belichick longtime assistant. We've been talking about this. Yep. Will Belichick – let up's the wrong word. Will Belichick choose not to score 50 if he doesn't have to score 50 like what Harbaugh was doing last week? I buy into that a little bit real quick, Sean.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I I think – and Belichick, you know, he's the he's the master tactician. The only real – one of the few uh, marks against Bill Belichick is that his coaching tree is uh, – it's a diseased tree. He, you know, every limb that sprouts off the Bill Belichick coaching tree is not one to – you know, is not a very strong branch. So maybe he – I could see him taking the foot off the gas a little bit. And, again, the public all over at 63% of the money – coming in on New England it's, it's just so ugly you you have to just close your eyes and take it
0: all right hold your nose and uh, and look out for the Dolphins who may very well be 0 <laughs> 16 at the end of all of this we'll see uh for game number two um one thing is for sure uh I, I will say this that if Miami gets down in this game again by a touchdown or two uh, you may very well see them give up forty or fifty points again. They'll just hang their head. Just, uh, just watch out. I mean, if they're not in it early, if they are behind fourteen nothing early, it may be forty-two to three again. Something like that. Just knowing what we know about psyche and how demoralized they were last week already in this season this guy's not demoralized it's the sports gambling podcast sean green great to talk to you plug again where we can find your podcast uh and and social media etc all of it go
2: okay uh yeah check us out on itunes sports gambling podcast and again sports gambling follow us on twitter at gambling podcast you can follow me on twitter at sean t green and uh yeah facebook sports gambling podcast as well
0: Love getting this guy's opinions on. I really do appreciate you hopping on and making some predictions here. He's going large doggies like Mastiffs, like St. Bernard's <laughs> with Syracuse, and he even loves the Miami Dolphins to keep it close, as well as the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's got a little Sunshine State flair, kind of like me, uh, being in the Sunshine State. Sean Green, thank you. I appreciate you hopping on Three Dog Thursday again for this week, sir.
2: Awesome. Thanks, get.
0: And there we go. That'll do it on this edition of Three Dog Thursday. Again, thanks to our guest, Gary Seegers, Winning Cures Everything podcast. Love that gambling podcast with all the lines. He's giving me some of those underdogs. Again, he loves Arizona State as one of his underdogs. And the Miami, Ohio Redhawks as well. Uh, So, uh, Gary, with some very interesting ones and also the New Orleans Saints, in the NFL. My thanks also to Sal Capaccio. Loves those Buffalo Bills. Of course, they had the upset of the Jets last week. They're right back in the Meadowlands at MetLife Stadium playing the Giants. Same stadium, back-to-back road weeks. They're the visiting team in the visiting locker room playing the Jets one week and then the Giants. We'll see how it goes for the Bills. We'll see how it goes for Sal's Syracuse Orange. Also, thanks to Sean Green of the Sports Gambling Podcast. He gave us underdogs as well with Sean's insight. Again, they do a great job with the Sports Gambling Podcast. And uh, and Sean has a couple of, he likes that Syracuse underdog pick and has a couple of NFL uh, doggies, including the Jaguars against the Houston Texans and the Miami Dolphins and all of those points against those New England Patriots. Will that line get to 20 or 21 points by this weekend? We'll find out. And again, if you're listening to the podcast, you may already know some of these results on Saturday when we get to Sunday for college football, etc. Again, I like Iowa State getting the points at home with Iowa as a home doggy, especially with the week off, especially with Iowa having won four straight in the series. I'll take the Cyclones to win outright and cover as a short dog. I also love BYU. As I said earlier uh, here in the podcast against Southern Cal, give me – the uh, the Cougars at home against Slovis, the freshman quarterback, having to play on the road. I'll go BYU Cougars. And in the NFL, uh, again, for an underdog selection, I like the Oakland Raiders. I know they, they've now officially ruled Jonathan Abram out with the injured shoulder, the rookie free safety first-round pick. I still like the Raiders at home in this matchup with the Chiefs. No Tyreek Hill. Again, Mahomes, the ankle may be a little more stiff, sore, banged up. I know he'll go, he'll play, he'll sling it around, but I think the Raiders can score with him. I will take the points in that game for my third underdog. So there you go. My underdogs for this week, one for three last week. Let's see if we can improve on the show for this week. Again, subscribe to the podcast, however you found us, through Red Circle Podcasting, through a link on social media, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. search for Three Dog Thursday keep up with us on twitter at three dog thursday as well uh, as again we come your way each and every week talking underdogs and college football in the nfl on behalf of my guests i'm tj reeves enjoy all of the action in college and the nfl we're all about the underdogs on three dog thursday Bye.